church I've read the book I know he's here but I don't look near as often as I should yeah I know I should his fingerprints are everywhere I just slowed down to stop and stare open my eyes and man I swear I saw God today Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin. We'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Green Bay Packers won one of the biggest regular season games that they've had in our time uh, as a podcast, getting an incredibly satisfying 27-17 win over the Seattle Seahawks at Lambeau Field, at last beating one of these teams that have been a thorn in the Packers' side for many years now. And we're going to have a lot to say about this game. But, Matt, I want to bring you in right away. We talked a lot about not having venom for Seattle and having had some of the emotion that existed back in January subside prior to Sunday's game. Well, about three minutes into yesterday's game, my heart took over and I was back to being a raving lunatic. And when the Packers were finally able to win, it was so satisfying. And uh, I, I know it's only week two and ultimately this game might not matter at all, but it was finally fun to see our guys humble those guys rather than have somebody else do it. Yeah, I could tell by your your text chain there that you started getting really into the game there. I was the same way. I mean, going in, I saw a lot of posts on Facebook and everything about everybody saying, you know, it was our biggest game in a long time and a huge game. And, well, I definitely agreed with that. I just, the hype wasn't quite there for me until, like you said, a few minutes in and stuff starts to get a little bit heated. And I, I you know, I just lost it too. I mean, <laughs> just yelling at the TV here and everything. And it was, yeah. it was really, really satisfying. I mean, it was one of those weird, dirty, mucky games that you have against a team like the Seahawks. Uh, that we always seem to have where it's just sort of a weird game. But to, to come out on top and, to, you know, get a couple of turnovers and, and pick off Russell Wilson one time, uh, yeah, really satisfying. And, and you do it without Jordy Nelson and Eddie Lacy, and, you know, you'll at least get Lacy back one forward. So, it, yeah, that's that's big time. Yeah, we'll talk about that later, but it looked for a while like the injury problem was going to magnify, but it looks like they dodged a bullet with Eddie Lacy. I was amazed at how much better the Packers looked than Seattle. It was a competitive game. Yeah. It was only 10 points difference. But for all of the talk we have had about how many different ways they had found to lose to Seattle and also to San Francisco, who was a very similarly built team when they were at their peak, to see the Packers go out there and really not even play their best football. I mean, Aaron Rodgers played really well, but they dominated for all but like the first 10 minutes of the second half. Yeah, it, it was really strange to see, and it seems like Seattle might be a little bit in shambles right now, a lot of weird stuff going on there too. So, But like you said, they didn't play that well. I mean, it was really frustrating at times there to start the second half when Wilson starts getting going, throwing and running. And you're like, oh, geez, here it comes again. And you just kind of had that feeling like, well, you had the lead, but it's it's going to be gone here pretty soon. So, you know, for them to bounce back from that and to hold on and get some more points there in the fourth quarter, and Rodgers just lights it up there in the fourth. I see nine for nine, I think. Yeah, nine for nine for 91 yards or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and a touchdown was was awesome. So to see them finish that way, which is where they've gotten killed against teams like this in the past, and, and weird things have happened, and instead this time it goes in their favor, and it was the other team making the stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. With Rodgers, starting there, I posted on Twitter at the once Seattle took the 17-13 to lead that 
I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers be elite against an elite opponent. And Aaron Rodgers has been elite for a long time, but most of his best stuff has come against less than stellar opponents. Now, granted, he's not alone in that, but I wanted to see him do to Seattle in crunch time what we saw like Tom Brady do earlier in the day, just shredding a really good Buffalo defense. And it seemed like Rodgers was able to flip that switch and even without Devontae Adams at 100%, he had James Starks in the backfield. He starts hitting guys like Ty Montgomery, and Randall Cobb has his first big game. Aaron Rodgers took over, and then as the game started progressing into crunch time, the gap between him and Russell Wilson was enormous yeah. for how much better he was. Yeah, and it's it's nice to see this kind of an Aaron Rodgers, too, because like you said, we usually see the the gaudy numbers against the bad teams maybe gets held in check a little bit against a defense like this where maybe the numbers weren't insane, you know, 249 yards and two touchdowns. But if you watch that game, you know he, how incredible he was and how he became, a you know, a different kind of a quarterback, just this efficiency machine mm-hmm. that although he only threw it 33 times, which is different than maybe we might see against a, a team like Minnesota or Detroit, he, uh, he was on point. I mean, he completed 25 of those, and every time he needed one, he got it. Um, everything went well for him last night. And we saw the same thing against the Bears. He didn't even throw for 200 yards, but he looked perfect, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if, even if he's not having to throw a million times a game, if he can play like this all year, that might almost be better, even if the you know the numbers aren't quite where they've been lately. Yeah, because he makes the most out of every single throw. Yeah. It's almost like Brett Favre in, like, 95 or 96, where he wasn't putting up 350 yards every week, but... He didn't need to because he was throwing four touchdowns on 198 passing yards. Yeah. And that's kind of where Rodgers is in right now. And it seems silly to say this, but it wasn't until last night that I was able to fully appreciate how serious Rodgers' injury was last year because he saw the same pressure that he saw in January, and it didn't matter. He just outran guys and ran out of the pocket and was able to escape and still throw on the run, and he wasn't able to do any of that in Seattle in January, and had he had a healthy calf, there's no doubt in my mind, they wouldn't have needed a collapse because the Packers would have been up by twice as much. Yeah, and you almost forget that he could do that, too, because, I mean, we didn't see it for the last part of last year, so coming in in last week against Chicago, and then this week, you see him running like that, it's like, holy cow, like, I I remember that, and I knew he could do it, but I kind of forgot it was this good. I mean, he only runs for 23 yards, but just his elusiveness in the pocket, and he made a couple of really big plays with his legs, too, Mm -hmm. like, that's such a big dimension that they miss in those games, and... It definitely would have made a big difference last year, too, because even though you know it was only six carries, it sure seemed to befuddle Seattle a little bit. Yeah, and he has that extra element to him. He's not a runner like Russell Wilson is, but yeah, going back to that, the matchup between the two quarterbacks, it almost seems silly that Russell Wilson is even in Aaron Rodgers' ballpark in the payment department because he's he's a nice runner, but as a quarterback, he reminded me of like, Michael Vick at his best and maybe that's not fair but he's a pretty pedestrian passer and most of his dangerous element comes from being able to run but when he was in the pocket I wasn't all that afraid sure yeah and I mean he makes some good throws he makes some pretty bad ones too but I mean you saw those drives at the beginning of the second half and that's when they started talking about you know the announcers this guy's gonna be on Aaron Rodgers level here in a couple of years sort of a thing yeah um but, I mean, he's not anywhere close right now. So he's been on a winning team, and he, he brings a lot to that team. He's perfect for them, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, You know, throws a couple of touchdowns when they need it really bad. But, yeah, it's not even close. 
Yeah, and what did you think of Roger's comments after the game where he brought the... Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was wondering if, you know, somebody might say something, and uh, that was perfect, perfectly planned out, and he said it with that wry smile and everything, and <laughs> yeah, that was great, too. I, I didn't hear if Russell Wilson responded to it at all, and I'm sure if he did, it would be completely boring and not interesting at all, but... It uh, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, from what I heard is Russell Wilson completely no-sold it and just kind of moved on. Well, but what are you going to say in return? Is Nuh-uh, God still loves me. I mean, he, yeah. he, he really, he's in a no-win situation there. But gosh, that just is another reminder of how Aaron Rodgers doesn't forget anything. Uh, and that's fine with that stuff. But yeah, that was the most annoying thing that came out of last year. E- even with Russell Wilson saying, you know, with the, that it was nice to the, uh, you know, the powers that be to make the NFC championship game more exciting by making him play badly. And then also talking about <laughs> hearing voices in the Super Bowl is just like, ugh. It, and, and for, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, a religious person, but Aaron Rodgers is. And, uh, you know, that probably offended him more on a, on a personal level. And so he's certainly not poking fun at anybody's religion. He's basically saying, hey, you know, check yourself a little bit. It's sports. Right. Yeah. I wonder who that's for. Cause yeah, whether you're religious or not, it just seems so asinine to think that that would, you know, that would possibly, yeah. there would be any divine intervention in an MC championship game. Oh, it's and nothing it's, but pure arrogance is what yeah. I think it is that you're so self-important that you think that, you know, somebody who's controlling the universe is playing a role in your profession on that big of a level for you. individually. Yeah. Smiting others in your favor who aren't evil people. Are. Guys and then and tons of other coaches and stuff for you to be the one, and then he's talking to you. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But I agree. I mean, it's one of the things that makes makes Russell Wilson just completely. I can't even stand the guy anymore. Yeah, and yeah. With, with the weird brain juice thing, I, that was after that game too. How he got yeah. healed from his concussion. He's just a really weird guy. Well, and I thought it was funny that when they did the Sunday Night Football roster spots where everybody introduces themselves, he said a whole pack of Badgers, and I'm like, I doubt if there's 10 badgers that are behind you right now <laughs> well that's that's a, a combo of the nc state wisconsin thing right i think he did that last year too oh okay well yeah but so, you're still right though i i can't imagine like a bunch of his teammates are like oh yeah this guy's still awesome at this point yeah so who's cheering for him is it the school that he completely abandoned to have his best year with some other school or is it the school he wasn't able to take any further than the other dud quarterbacks we've had and then he is able to beat the Packers, in two of the worst losses in Packers history, one, he credits God with making it more interesting for him personally, and the other one, they lose on a completely botched rule, and he acts like he threw a touchdown pass to a guy waving in the back of the end zone. So I wonder I wonder which one of those two were cheering for him last night. And, and not to mention the three games that he lost as a Badger quarterback were about the three most devastating losses in, in recent memory for the Badgers, too. So this guy's brought us nothing but pain. I mean, even though he was a very good quarterback for the Badgers, I mean, those were really bad losses. Yeah, the Ohio State one is not his fault at all. He right. played amazing in that game, but yeah, yeah that, ugh. Yeah, because he threw a bunch of picks in the Michigan State game, too, but... Uh... Uh, whatever, we don't need to get into that. But yeah, it was fun to see him get humbled. And then Pete Carroll coming out today saying, we recovered the fumble. I can't believe this. How, how could a, a referee see a team with clear possession and then give it to the other team? This is unprecedented. So he's clearly zero self-awareness there, too. Yeah, and to word it just like that, too. I think that was our most liked article that you've ever posted on the website, I'm pretty sure. I mean, Yeah, well, there's an algorithm on Facebook, so if you post anything topical, sometimes it'll... 
kick it to the top of uh, people who sure. don't normally see your stuff. But yeah, it was. It was like 1,400 people saw it or something. But, but for him to be, yeah, to say that in that exact way after that game was absolutely ridiculous. And it was didn't make sense anyways. Yeah. It was a clear recovery by the Packers in, in, in that. But yeah, for him to put it that way after what happened just a few years ago was kind of stupid on his part. Oh, this team is ugh, just the worst. It, it was some of the fights and stuff that were happening at the end. These... I hope they completely self-destruct, and that's one of the things that uh, I was talking with, uh, I can't remember who, but one. Uh, I watch a ton of old football, as I reference on here a lot, but that's one thing that I hope happens to Seattle, what is currently happening to San Francisco, and what I fear will never happen to the Belichick-Brady Patriots, is these guys are so smug, and they're so annoying, yet they're so good, and that was one of the best things about the 90s Cowboys, is that there were a few years in there where after all of the things they had done, they won so much, and they would got so much trouble with the law, and they had been so cocky and so arrogant and so impossible to stomach, yet they were able to stay together long enough to get bad. So you still had Aikman, and you had Dion, and you had Irvin, and you had Emmett Smith, and they were there, they just weren't any good. So you got to watch them lose to Cincinnati and get destroyed by Denver, and it was so satisfying yeah. to see those guys finally get theirs. San Francisco is going through that right now, and hopefully we get to see it with Seattle. I don't want to see you get hurt and fall apart. I want you to have all of your guys back and just suck. That's what, that's the best way to end this story. Yeah, and I think there's a pretty good chance that'll happen. I think, you know, as, as we've referenced before, it, it seems like this might be their last really great shot because they have all these cap troubles now having to sign all their major players, and they're going to lose basically everybody else. Yeah. And we're already seeing it starting to come back with the whole Cam Chancellor situation. So it doesn't seem good. You know, you get your three, you get two of your members from the Legion of Boom, you get Russell Wilson, uh, you get Bobby Wagner, and that's pretty much it going forward because he gave him a monster contract. So the rest of these pieces mm-hmm. and what's kind of carried Russell Wilson for the last couple of years is going to be gone soon. And I know I've been warning this for almost as long as Green and Gold Forever has been around, but Marshawn Lynch is an old running back, and they usually dramatically and swiftly drop off in production. And the way he played last night... The Packers played inspired. For a Week 2 game, I've never seen a defense played so inspired. But also, that shouldn't be enough to completely stymie a guy of Lynch's caliber unless he's somewhat complicit in that lack of uh, good play. Yeah, he didn't look like himself, and it seems like he's been in the middle of all the distractions they've been dealing with lately, too. So maybe someone's up there. But on top of that, let's actually give Dom Capers some credit for once, too. Yeah. I thought that that uh, scheme was about the most brilliant thing he's ever done as a Packers defensive coordinator, the plan that they came out against Marshawn with. And, you know, looking back on it, all of the big runs that he's had over the years, you kind of think of that cutback, and they almost allowed him to kind of run straight forward. They had the delayed blitzers a lot of times, but they just contained the bounce back. Mm-hmm. And he, every time, he tried to look for it. Even if it wasn't there, he ran right into guys. And, you know, they started to pay for it a little bit when Wilson started breaking out in the second half. That was kind of their counter to that. Yeah. But it, it completely stymied him, and I wonder if we'll see more teams do something like that because he almost seemed unwilling to just hit the hole hard. He was trying to bounce, and there was no bounce to have. Yeah, he finished with 41 yards on 15 carries, so not even three yards a carry. His longest gain was 11 yards. And I know you kind of joked a little bit, and it was sort of a shot in the dark, but I said I thought B.J. Raji would play better this week, and he was very good. I mean, he was as good as he was maybe at times in 2010, and a lot of other guys there in support. Yeah, a total team effort on defense. I thought they were great. Outside of two drives, really, they completely shut down Seattle. 
Yeah, and that was more, I'd say, secondary issues, too. I thought the front seven was outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, J. Ron Elliott stepping up. We've been excited about this guy for a while just because of tearing up in the preseason. Makes two enormous plays to really seal the game. Yeah, we were looking for him to get in because of what we see in the preseason, and he comes in, finally really is starting to get a chance, and he plays like preseason j Rowe, and it makes all these <laughs> huge plays. So, I mean, if this guy can do this, he did it in the preseason. If he can do that going forward, I mean, he's a superstar. He can do this every single game. Yeah, that would be that would be something else if they just stumbled upon another diamond in the rough. Yeah, I mean, he's just been sitting on the bench despite, you know, how awesome he's looked at times in the preseason, and all of a sudden he gets in there and he's he's the same guy. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if he can, he's not going to be that same player, I'm sure, for 16 weeks, but if you can get, you know, three quarters of that, you've got a, a really good piece to a defensive puzzle. Yeah, absolutely, and they're going to be getting help soon with Latroy Guy on returning. We'll see how effective he can be, but... Yeah, another the, body in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, another guy, and of course he had lost Josh Boyd. I felt so bad for him. Uh, yeah. Turns out he has got a broken ankle, and you know he's not the best player on the team. But gosh, I, I you know, the, the, they zoomed in on his face when he was getting carted off, and you, you wonder a guy at that level if that's not it for his whole career. So I just feel really bad for him. Yeah, and I'm sure that's kind of what's going through your brain if you're him at that that time. You know, pro football players don't often cry if they break things. It's kind of the reaction yeah. to. Like, I put in all this work, you know, it could be done, I'm just hanging on to a roster, you know, am I going to be even be able to get back to this and play the dream, and you kind of think your career might be over right there on the spot, so it's, yeah. it's yeah, it was hard to watch him get carted off like that, giving the thumbs up, but then they showed his face and just, just crying, I felt so bad for him. Yeah, I did too, and that's when I really kind of, the, the injury part hit me in the face, you're so into the game, and I was so frustrated because we were losing guys left and right, and I made some dumb comment on Twitter, like, how do the Packers practice without notifying the Red Cross first or something like that? But it really, it, it you shouldn't think that kind of stuff. You get so caught up in the game and you start to think of them as video game sprites instead of men. Yeah. And uh, so you, it, it shouldn't have to take something like that to remind idiots like me of that. But that's kind of what happened in that moment. Yeah. Yep. Same here. But let's talk about some of the unsung heroes on offense as well. So Randall Cobb looked like his shoulder wasn't bothering him that much last night. He had eight receptions for 116 yards, really took over in the second half. But Ty Montgomery emerging, and once again, Richard Rodgers is never going to be what your Michael Finley was, but he might have the best hands on the team. Yeah, that touchdown catch was insane how he caught that. Mm-hmm. The two-point <laughs> conversion two point also, conversion. yeah. yeah the, the two point, they, were, they were both good, but that two-point conversion was crazy. I mean, he had a guy draped all over him and somehow snagged it out of the air. If he can have three catches for 23 yards and a touchdown every game this season, I'm going to be a happy guy. Yeah. Right? He doesn't have the athleticism to beat your Michael, but he's he's got way better hands. So if he can be the red zone target they need, like that's huge for the Packers. Mm-hmm. And and I thought James Jones played well again. He caught a touchdown in front of Richard Sherman. I know it was a free yeah. play, but that was always fun. <laughs> yeah, that was that was about the weirdest route I think that anybody's probably ever seen Richard Sherman get beat on. I don't know what he was doing. It's it's almost like he underestimated the speed of Jones. He was kind of tailing about three yards back, and it was just the slowest post across the middle of the field. <laughs> and all of a sudden, when he realized I got to catch up, he turned it on and he just couldn't. It was a a super easy touchdown. I, I would be surprised to see if he'd given up one that easy before. Yeah, and maybe the the flag confused him a bit, and so he yeah. didn't know. But or Something happened. that was really weird. Yeah, so that, that that was fun, and that second touchdown that got taken away from Jones. Yeah, I mean, I think it was it, it was the proper call, but the build up to that just makes you so mad that they can't review penalties because as they're reviewing that he clearly is out of bounds, they also review him getting illegal contact, then holding, then pass interference. Right, and. 
I, I wasn't paying that close of attention, but somebody made a good point on some comment of a story I was reading that they said the way Seattle plays is it's almost a blatant challenge to the official saying, we know you don't have the guts to call us for holding every single play because you'll get in trouble, the game will be ruined, and so we're just going to do it, and we're going to leave it up to you to call it as much as you want. And after reading that and then seeing last night, I think that's a valid point. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that even at times last night, the game was really hard to watch, especially in the first half and early second half, because it was constant timeouts and flags, and it was just there was no flow to the game at all. It was, it, even as is, it was tough to watch. But yeah, you look at almost every single play, and James Jones gets absolutely mugged, and Richard Rodgers on another play gets absolutely mugged, but nothing gets called just because they probably yeah. already called a couple just before that. So and, and I know they got Richard Sherman for a couple and a couple of the other DBs for it too. So you're right. I mean, they're not going to throw a flag every single play. Yeah, they called a lot of penalties as it is, I thought. Yeah, um, it seemed like it. I don't have the numbers, but it seemed like there was constant flags. Seattle was 6 for 92. Packers were 6 for 35. Uh, it seemed well, like more than that for some reason. Yeah, it did. And I, I don't know if that counts those that weren't accepted, though. So that probably is yeah, another probably. two or three each team. Sidetracking slightly, uh, just for a moment... When you said the game was hard to watch, did you catch Troy Aikman just <laughs> destroy? I did, but I saw I saw somebody post about that. It was so funny because it was right when they were transitioning to to taking on another audience. But he the whole game was talking about how bad everything was, and he sort of built up to it. Where at first he's like, "Yeah, these teams don't seem to be at their top uh, level today." And then later on, he said, this has just been one of the most bizarre games I've ever seen. And then right as they took on a new audience, he says, man, both of these teams have been playing just terrible, terrible fundamentals today. This has been an awful game to watch <laughs> or something along those lines. And then Joe Buck starts laughing. and He's like, and with that endorsement, we welcome a new section of America to Fox. It was just so funny to hear an announcer basically destroy the products they were watching and Granted, I think that builds some more trust in the announcer that they're willing to say their honest opinion and even maybe drive some viewers away. But he just sounded so pissed off having to watch this game like it ruined his day that he had to watch Cowboys-Eagles. Well, yeah, and as a Cowboys fan, too, I'm sure he was kind of just boiling inside just watching that game, too. But Yeah, it, I, I don't know. I don't think anybody turns away if they click in right then and he said, this game stinks. I don't think anybody wants like necessarily turns it off right away. But If anything, it'll make them more interested to see why yeah, it stinks. I'd probably tune in and be like, all right, let's watch some sloppy football. Yeah, yeah exactly. So the Packers go on to 2-0. and uh, Seattle is down to 0-2. As much as I think Seattle's in trouble and they're not going to be the team they've been the last few years, they're going to get an opportunity to get to 2-2 two and two pretty fast, hosting Chicago, and then I, I don't know if they're – I would assume they host Detroit as well because they had the first two games on the road, so I don't know if they'd go 3 or 4 on the road. It wouldn't be unprecedented, but I don't have the schedule in front of me. But yeah, and yeah. They're still going to be around. I mean, they're 0-2. They're going to be a playoff team. I mean, you can almost count on it. I, I, I don't see us, uh, the Packers, not having to play this team again at some point. It'll be much harder for them to run down uh, Arizona this year, though. Yeah, maybe. You know, as long as their quarterback stays healthy, it, it'll be uh, those will be some big games for sure. And, and don't throw the Rams out yet. I mean, they've still got a better record than the Seahawks too. So I'm they, throwing they, the Rams out. They're such a Jeff Fisher team yeah. to lose to the freaking Redskins by two touchdowns after beating Seattle. I mean, that's that is Jeff Fisher's career in a nutshell. Yeah, that was pretty rough. But I mean, they've got some tougher competition than they've had. Uh, obviously, sans San Francisco, so it's. That, that's a big person out of their way there, too. But it, it's going to be fun to watch that division, I think. And I, but I still think Seattle for sure makes the postseason. Yeah, I, I think so, too. But 
the idea that Seattle and is the Packers key competition for home field, it's way too early to write them off, but it's I could see a scenario in which they're like a five seed or a six seed yeah. and you're worried about Arizona and you know, maybe Atlanta now, maybe your pick was right. <laughs> Yeah, you set yourself up well, that's for sure. I mean, in a division that that we're in now that looks really weak, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's you you're hoping five, six wins there and you've already got basically a two and a half game lead over Seattle right now. You're you're definitely in a good position on a, to at least not have to go to Seattle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I like the Packers chances in January at Lambeau against this Seattle team. Yep. So a couple other things yesterday, I know you mentioned San Francisco. That, to me, was just an illustration of the modern NFL. Colin Kaepernick had 335 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, in a game in which they were destroyed and never <laughs> once had any chance of being in the game. It's just, the NFL is just so weird now. Yeah, and, and they only put up 18 points on top of that, too. So I, I, I know that's kind of what happens when you're down by a ton. You just got to sling it around. But, yeah, some kind of gaudy fake stats. Yeah. We did terrible in our picks, by the way, yesterday. You were four and eleven, oh. and I was seven and eight. It was a weird day. It really was because, well, the games there was a bunch that we both got wrong. So first of all, we started out badly by both picking Kansas City, and then the the weird ending in the Broncos game. Um, did you see that? I did. Yeah. I missed it. I went to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be overtime, and I came back, and Denver had the lead, and I completely missed it. Do you think Peyton's back, or did he just kind of? will himself to a, a good finish in a, a game against a team that doesn't have that much offense. I don't know. He looked pretty bad week one, but I, I guess I wasn't quite ready to write him off. But he looked he looked more like the regular Peyton in that game, I thought, at times. He, he started a little slow, but then really got it going. I mean, if he could be that guy, he, it's not like he's tossing the ball 80 yards down the field. I, if he can at least just throw and be accurate like he was, I, mm-hmm. I think they could be pretty good. So I, I don't know. I'm not ready to write him off yet. Yeah, I guess I'm not ready to write him off, but... Even though his numbers looked pretty good and that last drive was very good, he looks more like 1999 Dan Marino, like more and yeah. more every day, where he's still got it in him. He can will himself to do it every once in a while, but he just doesn't have what he had before, and and not to a level where you could expect him to win a championship, I don't sure. think. Yeah, and some of the other weird games, um, the the Patriots tore apart Buffalo. Uh, I don't I don't know if I'm that surprised by that. The weird one, I thought, was New Orleans. They were in my knockout pick in, in one of my uh, competitions I have, and they have lost six in a row at the Superdome. The last team they beat in the Superdome was the Packers in the Aaron Rodgers hamstring game, and they have been dominated almost every time and a bunch of times by really terrible teams, such as yesterday. Yeah, they're the weirdest team. I know we've talked about them a little bit, but it's... They've got nothing left, basically, but a declining Drew Brees. <laughs> That's not a good recipe. I would have picked them, too, for a knockout. I'm not in a league like that, but that probably would have been my pick based on how bad Tampa looked the week before. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm not surprised that the Saints lost a bad game, but I'm surprised that Tampa turned it around that quickly. So mm-hmm. I, uh, the Saints are, look like they're going to be really, really bad this year. Yeah, especially and, now if Drew Brees is out for a week or two. Yeah, uh, something about like a rotator cuff or something. Yeah, I, I heard it was just a bruise, but that he might not be able to play. Yeah, so he's got the issue. Um, Jay Cutler is going to be out a couple of weeks with a hamstring, and not that you'd notice that much because the Bears are still pretty bad. But just a weird. I think week two is always like this. Like whenever you think a team is good, they're coming out of week one. You think they might be a surprise, and then it seems like week two is where you really begin to see who's legit and who just had a one-off good week. 
and Miami losing to Jacksonville is weird. Uh, the the Ravens, a lot of t- people pick the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl, and they're 0-2. They've lost, you know, first they got dominated in a defensive battle, then they got outscored by a Raiders team. The Lions look terrible. So, weird week. And the Titans, too, who everybody thought yeah. was a potential playoff contender, just get smoked by the Browns and Johnny Manziel. Do you think the Browns will stick with Manziel? I think you have to, kind of. I don't know if they will or not, but what's the point of you know, right now they're not going to make the playoffs this year, like you said last week. And he's at least playing good enough to be serviceable. Why not give him a shot? Yeah, I, I thought it was Peter. It's not King. like you're putting back in McCown, who's a, you know an All Pro or anything <laughs> like that. They're probably at about the same level as as Manziel's playing right now, anyway. So why would you put McCown back in? Yeah, and it's not even like he's old Trent Green or something. Somebody who's been a Pro Bowl caliber player at some point, like yeah. maybe not elite, but like even like a Rich Gannon or something. He sucked outside of the half season with the Bears. <laughs> he was terrible last year, and he, you know, didn't start great last week either. So it's not, yeah, it's not like you're putting somebody good back in there. And I think it was Peter King yesterday said that the Browns might have to go back to Josh McCown because they built the whole offense around him. I'm like, are they? Is that true, or are they just trying to plant a story so Johnny Manziel doesn't go to the club the night after a great game? Because who the heck builds an offense around a 36-year-old terrible journeyman quarterback? And if it is that is the case, you know he Manziel looked pretty good in that offense in in that game. So if they can maybe switch some things around, they might have something there. Yeah, definitely. So hopefully they'll stick with him. Um, a lot of quarterback issues going on right now. The biggest being Tony Romo. Uh, breaking his collarbone he didn't require surgery so the speculation is is he's going to be out eight weeks can Dallas sustain with Brandon Whedon even they got a two-game lead on the two most likely challengers uh, with the Giants and Eagles both being 0-2 so essentially they have to somehow find a way to not squander a six-game lead before Tony Romo gets back Uh, yeah speaking of quarterback issues how about Sam Bradford and the Eagles <laughs> he just looked yeah. absolutely terrible and their offensive line is a mess yeah. so I, I think that's the only reason they might I think that you know just based on the eye test I know New York's given up some really bad games here early but it, they kind of look like between them and Philly and Washington maybe the better of those three teams yeah I'd be you know curious to see if they can make a push but Dallas with that offensive line and a defense that looked really good on Sunday you would think that they can maybe kind of hold these teams off at least maybe kind of be close to tied with a couple of teams by the time Romo gets back I, th- I think they're clearly the best team out of that division so I think they could maybe do it yeah um I, th- I think you're right the I'm just looking at it so the Giants play Dallas on October 25th so Romo probably won't be back in time for that one um, and then the next time Dallas plays the Eagles is November 8th so there, there's a potential they could lose both of those. But again, you know, the, the the Eagles haven't been very good, and the Giants certainly aren't above squandering a game against a backup quarterback. It's not like either one of those teams are likely to win out. So I think if Dallas can win half their games, they should be okay. Yeah, I would think so. So we'll uh, see how all that plays out. I guess there, there wasn't anything else that really stood out to me other than just how weird yesterday was. I, I don't know what to think of anybody. I think the Packers are good. I think Arizona is good. I think Denver will likely win that division. New England's really good. It's the same teams that you've grown to expect good things from, and everybody else is just kind of in this weird soup of mediocrity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not a lot was quite what we thought it was going to be after week one, except for the teams that looked good still looked pretty good, and I think we kind of know who's going to be there at the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. 
So the Packers now uh, will move on to Kansas City. Uh, the injury, the big injury update was Eddie Lacy. They said today he had a minor ankle sprain, and when he first fell, the first thing that popped in my head was 1998 Dorsey Levens, and that he was going to be out for 12, 13 weeks. And they're now saying it's similar to the injury he had in 2013 where he didn't practice, but he played every game. And so there's even a chance he could play against the Chiefs on Monday night. And so uh, they dodged a bullet big time, which I'm very happy about because I, for the first time in a decade, I actually bought an authentic, well, it's the replica jersey, but still it's like $100. And I, I bought Eddie Lacy. I wore it twice, and then I figured he'd get hurt and then never play again. Yeah, yeah, that's so big for them. And You know, you, you eke out a game that without Eddie Lacy, you don't expect yourself to win. And now if you get him back right away after losing him there, that's so big. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if they have him for the rest of the year, that's kind of what makes up for that Jordy deficiency. So if you're without him for an extended period of time, you start to worry. But getting him back is huge. Even mm-hmm. if it's limited for a week or two, just having him there is, is big time. Mm-hmm. I think James Starks did a good job filling in, but they're nowhere near the same running back. Well, and... I heard some on the radio today before they knew the severity of Lacey's injury. Well, good thing we have Starks. I'm like, Starks is no sure thing either. This guy's been injured more than anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't expect him to be a workhorse. They tried that one year, and he got hurt like three times. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, I think uh, things should be okay for the Packers. They get an extra day off, too, which should help things, especially if they have to game plan without Eddie Lacey. Hopefully Devontae Adams is able to be okay. I don't know the severity of his injury, but the fact that he returned and played some. He was limping pretty heavily, but the fact that they allowed him to return at all leads me to believe that they're not too concerned about him. Yep, it seems like he'll be fine. Uh, Again, I haven't heard anything today either, but if you're put back out there at the start of the second half, I would imagine it's probably just rolled an ankle, just tweaked it a little bit. So, you know, that's something that can hobble you for a few weeks, but I'm sure he'll be fine long term. Yeah. Getting back to the jersey thing real quick, do you have any of the Nike jerseys? Yeah, I, I have an authentic Rodgers one. I I am out of all the rest of them that I had bought. They were all the Reebok ones, but they're mm-hmm. all no longer Packers, so I'm down to one. <laughs> I like the Nike ones. Like As much as yeah. we make fun of Nike and I hate the designs that they do, the actual fan jerseys are yeah, way better awesome. than the Reebok ones. Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't have one of the stitched Reebok ones, but just the make of the Nike ones are nice. It feels, it feels it, like it a feels real like shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rather than having one that's got holes in it and stuff. Yeah, right. I once, uh, in the fifth grade, I had a Craig Newsom one that had the holes, and I once wore it to, to school without a shirt on underneath. <laughs> so it was just pretty tacky. It was. It was just like a mesh top. It was the first time I ever wore one because I, I never had one of those for the longest time, and I didn't know. I'm like, oh, it's just a shirt. And then I saw other people with them, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so I learned my lesson the hard way on that one. Okay, let's move on to <laughs> week three picks. We'll start on Thursday night football. Again, the NFL schedule makers thinking that the entire nation must watch the entire slate of NFC East matchups. We get the Redskins at the Giants. Yeah, gross. <laughs> this is one I don't really need to see. Uh, I, I I guess I think the Giants will will win this one pretty easily, but you know uh, they've been kind of a defeated team, and the Washington uh, Redskins got at least kind of a victory. Uh, well, they did get a victory, but maybe a little bit more motivated now. And it seems like they're no longer the, the top news story in that division. It's everybody else, although I think RG3 tried to get in the headlines today again with something stupid. Oh, really? I didn't see that. 
it was something about how he didn't like celebrate with his teammates or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. um, but anyways, long story short, I'm going to take the Giants here at home. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think that Washington was a one year or one year, well, one week thing, and I blame it more on the ultimate letdown team in history is the Rams. You you can almost bet that they're going to get blown away by a high school team if they had just beaten an elite team the week before. Yeah. So definitely the Giants. Cincinnati at Baltimore. This is a weird one. Um, I guess I'll pick first. I'm actually going to pick the Bengals here. I know Baltimore's at home, but they're kind of in trouble. And the Bengals always seem to be one of the best teams in the league in September and then just completely fall apart at the end of the year. So I think right now they're, they're playing pretty confidently. Um, I'll, I'll take them to beat Baltimore. They've actually quietly been one of the more impressive teams in the league. Yeah, they've been really good. Um, I, I, I'm going to pick the Ravens here. I, I just think that I don't see them going 0-3, and I don't really see the Bengals starting 3-0 and either, just with what we've seen from both these teams in their history. Mm-hmm. It's it's in Baltimore. Um, yeah, the Ravens have been kind of weird so far this year. They, they lose Terrell Suggs and don't look like they have a, a whole lot of fire yesterday, but um, I, 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 this team has been too good for too long, and it always seems to be there, so I think they'll win this one. Yeah, it's it, it really is a pick em, I think. Oakland at Cleveland, a game I suddenly really want to watch. Yeah, that'll be a good one. I want to watch that, too. Derek Carr looked really good, and Manziel looked really good. Oh, man, uh, that's a tough one. That Raiders offense looked pretty explosive, but I think that Browns defense is pretty good. I don't know if I trust Manziel to do it again, but I, th- I think the Raiders got a couple of guys in their secondary banged up a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, this is tough. I- I'm going to go with the Raiders. I, I think the... Browns offense that they ran and were successful with was super basic. They just got a guy downfield wide open twice, basically. Yeah. Um, and Manziel hit it. I, I don't. I think a team that game plans for that can probably figure it out. And Amari Cooper looked really good, so I'll, I'll pick Oakland. Yeah, man, you bring up some good points. I guess I'll take Cleveland. They're kind of equal. I'll take Cleveland just to be the home team. Although, like you said, Johnny Manziel will probably self destruct, but. Um, I don't know, maybe he'll be playing with some more confidence, and if I remember correctly, the Raiders have a terrible record playing at noon on the East Coast, so just for that reason, um, really the Raiders have no more reason to be trusted than the Browns do at this point, no, so <laughs> I'll just take the home team. The Carolina Panthers hosting the New Orleans Saints, um, I'll pick first here, the Saints are... Oh, I'm going to say the Saints are a disaster, and this feels like the the kind of game against another team like Carolina who's susceptible for a letdown. They're just going to come out and beat Carolina, but I don't think I can trust them. They just don't have enough firepower, and uh, Carolina's defense has uh, started the season pretty solid. Yeah, and it, it really depends on if Luke Keekley plays and if Drew, B, Drew Brees plays uh, to make a real educated decision on this, but I agree. I think I'll take Carolina here. The Saints have looked so bad, and although Carolina hasn't looked great, they've at least won two. So yeah. uh, at home with their defense, I think I trust them, especially against a, potentially a backup quarterback. Yeah, although it's prophetic that Luke McCown has been in all those Verizon commercials talking about how he wishes that he could get a chance to prove himself, which they should have picked a better backup for that because Luke McCown has had a chance to prove himself, and he proved himself to be a terrible quarterback. So right. they should have picked somebody who's actually never had the chance to be a starter. Yeah, he's a guy who's probably lucky to still be in the league. He's, he's you know, the backup for a team that never expects to use one, like a Doug Peterson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he, he, he played for Cleveland. Like, he started, like, half a season or something, and I think was, like, terrible. Like, got shut yeah, out a couple he's times. he's done that for a couple of teams. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. The Falcons at the Cowboys. Tough one, especially with the Romo injury. And Des Bryant out. Maybe it's not so Yeah, I, I think that for that reason, I got to 
take Atlanta in this one. That Cowboys defense did look really good though against uh you know an Eagles offense. We're not quite sure what they are yet, but I'm I'm still riding my Falcons bandwagon. I've got them as a I think a ten and six team I picked in a division winner, so I'm going to take them to win a a battered Cowboys uh, game. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. And what year was it? Was maybe the first year of Green and Gold Forever when Atlanta went to the NFC Championship game, where you said I don't think Atlanta's very good, but they're going to win home field advantage because their schedule just is kind of falling into place. And this is a little different because on paper it didn't necessarily look that way, but that's how it's emerging. Is they're kind of you know they're getting a Eagles team that's more dysfunctional than we thought, and a Giants team that can't close anybody out, and now they're going to Dallas against Brandon Whedon. So they're not to say they're not a good team, but I don't know if I necessarily think they're as strong as the other teams that might end next week three and zero. Right. And just because of the circumstances, I I think they're going to end up three and zero. And Julio Jones is super good. Like, yeah, every time I see him, he's so much better than I thought he was before. Yeah. <laughs> Tampa Bay at Houston. Yuck. Yeah, this is what I don't want to see. Um, I'll think, I think I'll take Houston at home. That, uh, man, that's tough. Their, their defense has been a pretty big disappointment this year. And I, maybe I didn't quite think they were going to be what everybody thought they would, but you've got Watt, at least that's something. Um, I, I guess I haven't heard much about Jadavian Clowney. Has he been playing, or has he been a factor at all? I think he's been playing, but, yeah, I, I don't know anything about him. I, I don't even know if he has any stats. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not real sold on this Bucks team yet, so I think Texans might shut down that offense a little bit at home. Yeah. I think this is probably the kind of game that's built to terrorize Jameis Winston, so... Yeah, I'll take Houston at home. I guess I don't really have any other reason why, but I guess I'm not surprised that Houston's defense has struggled. I know it's built around a really strong front four and front seven, but they seem people are talking, oh my gosh, you got Jadavian Clowney on one side, and then on the other side you have J.J. Watt, who's the best defensive player since Reggie White, and and both of those things might be true, but it's not 1976 where every single team's taking a nine-step drop before they throw. I mean, everything is dink and dunk and read option and... You know, J.J. Watt could be as effective as Reggie White at beating the guy in front of him, and he's going to get half as many sacks because the ball is going to be gone. Yeah. So it's just it's just really weird. Indianapolis at Tennessee. Very interesting game. Yeah, I I think I'll I'll take the Colts here. I, Tennessee looked pretty brutal uh, yesterday after a really good week one, so they're probably somewhere in between what we've seen the two weeks. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think that defense stands a chance against Andrew Luck. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. The Colts are a weird team, but they seem to always take care of business in the division. So I'll take the Colts here. Jacksonville at New England. I'll pick first the Patriots. Yep, same here. I think that's pretty short. Although uh, Blake Bortles looked pretty good, and they, they beat a good Miami team. But New England's just steamrolling people right now. So I, yeah. I don't think there's any way I can pick against them. Did you read the story that Indomitian Sue is like ignoring the defensive play callers and just going rogue? I, I didn't, yeah, but I, I have, uh, I had uh, part of the interruption on in the background here, and I saw that as a, a topic they were talking about, but I haven't read anything into about it yet. Oh, he's such a fool. Yeah. Is he going to be a bigger bust than Albert Hainsworth? Oh, probably not, because he's already played, what, two games, I think, and probably <laughs> yeah. made a couple of tackles, but it, it could happen. I mean, for that, for that kind of a pay, if you don't play out of your mind, it's going to be a bust. Yeah, it's, it's weird how you could have a player that talented that is detrimental to both the team he left and the team he went to it's just bizarre the chargers at the vikings which hopefully we get this game because that could be kind of interesting um i could pick first here i feel like minnesota's going to win but i wasn't 
necessarily impressed with them beating Detroit. Detroit just kind of looks like a disaster, and Minnesota looked about as good as they did last year. So I think Minnesota's going to win just because they're at home. And again, West Coast teams playing at noon don't always play the best, and the Chargers are another team I don't really know what to expect uh, from at this point in the season. So I'll reluctantly pick the Vikings, but not necessarily because I think they're all that good. Yeah, this is a a toss-up game. I think this might be the toughest one of the week for me. I'll, I'll pick San Diego. I I don't know. I've got no good reason for it other than I think Phillip Rivers is probably better than anybody in Minnesota other than AP. So um, man, I might have just talked myself out of it when I realized <laughs> that they probably are going to run all over the San Diego defense. Uh, no, I'll stick with San Diego, though. I'll, I'll pick Minnesota go down to 1-2. and two. Okay. I hope you're right. I don't want them to be 2-1 and one just because it'll be annoying to hear people yeah. say that they're a legitimate threat to the Packers. Philadelphia at the New York Giants, a battle of two teams that don't want to win. Yeah, um, man, this is a tough one. Um, in, in New York Jets, right? I, I think you said the Giants there. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Jets. Whoops. But even still, that makes one. it way easier than for me. I, I, I don't know. Still, I, I'm going to pick the Eagles here, but that Jets defense is really good, and this Eagles offense really floundered against you know, what's normally been, maybe they're better this year, but a Dallas defense, that isn't great. Um, so if you're going against an even better defense, that's really good at rushing the passer against a terrible offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, man, part of me really wants to pick the Jets here as the upset. I just, I can't see the Eagles falling to 0-3, and the Jets looked pretty bad last week. We're yet to see what they're going to do this week, but uh, I'll pick Philly, I guess. Yeah, that's the weakness of doing this show on a Monday night is that we don't get to see the Monday night game. And it's not that bad later in the season, but early in the season when you've only seen these teams like one time and in the Jets case, only like five or six plays on highlights. Yeah, I mean, we saw the Jets play terrible in week one, but what if they, or I'm sorry, they they beat Cleveland, but what if they, you know, look decent? What if they come out and just absolutely lay an egg tonight and lose by a hundred, you know? Which is definitely possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really, I'll take Philadelphia also. I, but yeah, I think everything you said about the Jets holds true. They they seem like the kind of defense that could really beat up on the Eagles. But, um, you know they're they got a mistake prone offense with really no stars at all, uh, other than Brandon Marshall. But you know he's very hampered by his supporting cast. So, uh, yeah, I'll take the Eagles. But that's gonna be an ugly game, I think. Yeah. Pittsburgh at St. Louis. Um, I'll pick first here. I, I want to pick St. Louis just for the wackiness that it, this is a good team, so I feel like they'll rise up, but I'll take Pittsburgh. That offense looked unstoppable on Sunday. Yeah, and same here, and you get Le'Veon Bell back too. So I, I don't think the Rams' defense is going to look that bad again, but um, the Steelers looked really good, and I think they're kind of turning into the team we expected. I don't know if the Rams can really take advantage of that Steelers' secondary or defense that isn't that good. Mm-hmm. So I think Le'Veon Bell probably kind of runs wild on them a little bit, and they win. Yeah, I agree. San Francisco at Arizona. Um, I, I gotta pick the Cardinals here. Yeah, I, I think that they're probably a lot better than San Francisco at this point in this one. If the Cardinals play like they have the last couple of weeks, this could get out of hand. So, mm-hmm. um, Kaepernick's probably gonna get beat up a little bit here, so I think the Cardinals win, uh, fairly easily at home. Yeah, I agree. Barring an injury to Carson Palmer, which, you could say that, I guess, for every single yeah, every team single in the league. Week. <laughs> yeah, well, and especially of him. Yeah, you're right. But, they've looked very good, and right now, a little bit to my surprise, they look like the clear-cut challenger to the Packers for the number one seed, if if all if status quo remains as far as health is concerned. Sure. Yeah, they've looked really good. Buffalo at Miami, the battle of two teams that wish it was a week ago. 
Yeah, and now I don't know what to expect. I mean, we thought these two teams were going to be awesome this year, and even going into the year, we we saw um, some good rosters and some good defenses, and they both, although the Bills held it close to New England, it didn't look that great. The defense got beat up, and the Dolphins just lost to a really bad team. In Miami, was uh, was that in Jacksonville or in my in Miami? It was in Jacksonville, I believe. I I just think the Bills are a little bit better. I think I think I'll take Buffalo, even though it's in Miami. I'm gonna take the Dolphins just at home, and I feel like I have to ride that horse because I said they'd end up in the AFC Championship game, mainly because I just don't trust the Colts at all as a home team in the divisional round, and that's the way my bracket fell after I made the picks. But yeah, I don't know. Um, this is a weird game. It's got to be so demoralizing to be in the AFC East. And it's similar probably to how the non-Packer teams in the NFC North feel. But no matter how good your season's going and no matter how much optimism, you bring in the Patriots, or in the case of the Bears and Lions and Vikings, you bring in the Packers and you're all geared up, this is the big one, and then they just beat you anyways. And I can't imagine what that's like because um, it hasn't been for the Packers in years, but it almost, I mean, the closest thing I can think of is maybe when the, there was the excitement with the Bucks this year, and then they basically got dominated by the Bulls or, you know, they had the two game rally, but, or the, the Brewers, you know, when you're years and years, you try to get good. And then when you're finally good, the Cardinals have the hottest hitting series in the history of baseball. It's just so, it's so frustrating to be always watching that same team being in their rear view mirror. Good thing we wouldn't know what that's like. Yeah. It's the best on top. Sucks (laughs) to be those losers below us. Speaking of those losers, the Bears at Seattle. Yeah, I think uh, Seahawks win this one pretty handily, especially if uh, Jimmy Clausen plays. Didn't didn't Clausen have a, a moment last year where we were rooting for him for some reason? I, I I seem to remember that, but I couldn't remember the game. Um, I feel like there was, but I, I feel like we were cheering him on hardcore, but I I couldn't remember it specifically. So maybe he pulls off a miracle, but I think Seattle handles him. Um, I think was he was he playing? Did he start against the Lions? And yeah, like he was coming on in the end and yeah, threw a pick at the end right. or something. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. So I don't think Jimmy Clausen had a chance. I didn't think he was very good at Notre Dame, so much less than the pros. I don't think he's got a chance. Denver at Detroit is kind of an interesting game in, uh, prime time on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, I think Denver's a lot better than Detroit, though, still. It's in Detroit, and it, you know, Stafford's really banged up. That offensive line's doing a poor job. Golden Tate's done nothing. Um, I mm-hmm. guess I don't have Kelvin Johnson's stats, but I, I saw maybe one touchdown. He's not quite the same player. I I think the Broncos just have a lot more weapons and a lot better defense right now. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think even if Peyton doesn't play very well, I think Denver can just kind of ram it down their throats. Yeah. How did Kelvin Johnson get so bad? Like I don't I don't get it. He just seemed to completely fall off the face of the earth. He's got 12 catches for 122 yards, but it's an average of 10 yards a catch, which is not Kelvin Johnson like. No. Yeah, it's it's almost like he's he's kind of losing that top end speed. So he was always a, a decent route runner. So he's kind of fallen back into being just a a huge regular wide receiver now instead of one that's way taller than everybody and can burn everybody at the same time. Yeah, and Amir Abdullah must have fallen way back to earth because his rushing total for the season is only 59 yards and only 53 Ouch. receiving yards. So he must have done nothing yesterday. Yeah, I think I played against him in a fantasy league, and he had a point. So I, I didn't see the, much of that game, but I know it wasn't much. Yeah, they beamed it to us. I had it on one of the alternate TVs down in the man cave, but I watched about four plays of it. Yeah. I could not care less. Yeah, Amir Abdullah, six rushes, nine yards. Ouch. So that, that's not too good. And now the Packers hosting Kansas City on Monday Night Football. This is going to be a really weird game, and if you listen to the KZ preview, uh, the KZ Radio Green and Gold Forever preview on 
This time it will be Monday because the game is on Monday. I'm going to talk about a lot of this stuff, but there are some weird stats for the Packers and Chiefs over time. Um, Kansas City, I think I'd have to look it up before I do the radio segment, but I think Kansas City is undefeated at Lambeau Field all time, and it's one of the only teams I maybe I think that Cincinnati and Kansas City are the only teams that Aaron Rodgers has never beat. Just a lot of weird stuff happening. Like if if you think back to Kansas City, they're the ones that stopped the 19 game win streak a couple of years ago. They also had that enormous comeback in 2003 where they came back from like 38 to 14 down with five minutes to play and beat them in overtime. You had Kansas City, a team that missed the playoffs, beat the Super Bowl champion 96 Packers in uh, you know in a, a team that killed everybody in Kansas City, beat them and beat them pretty decisively. You, you have some. Other games where the Packers offense with Mikowski, when they were destroying everybody, plays a bad Kansas City team and gets completely shut down. It's just the weirdest ownership of one team over the other. Maybe they cursed them after winning Super Bowl one. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, and despite what we saw against Kansas City and the way they lost that game, I, I think these might be two of the better teams in the NFL. They looked, you know, it's such a small sample size, but their defense looks for real and you know, their their offense made some really bad mistakes to put them in a bad spot, but they probably deserve to win that game. Yeah. Yeah, I oh, I, w- I would agree with that. Um, this game scares me a little bit because, yeah. you know, Alex Smith is a weird guy. Uh, you feel like he couldn't put a ton of pressure on you, but he usually doesn't make a ton of mistakes either. Um, Jamal Charles is obviously scary, and, you know, Rodgers never thrives very well against a really steady pass rush, but... I don't know. I, I don't think they're any better than Seattle is defensively, and the the Packers were able to basically take care of them without Eddie Lacy at all. So I think they should be able to repeat that performance on Monday. Yeah, and the thing with with Kansas City is their pass rush might be a little bit better than Seattle's, but their secondary is much, much worse. So, um, you know, if the offensive line can hold up, and uh, Bulaga will still be out for this game, right? He's going to be out for at least a – he could be two months. Yeah, a little more time. So, but you get Lacey back to negate that a little bit, and if you can at least give Rodgers enough time to to pick on those corners and those safeties, I think he could have a pretty big day. So, I agree. I don't know if you officially made your pick yet, but I, I think it'll be a tough mm-hmm. one. I think Kansas City can hang in there, but Alex Smith, you know, seeing what we've seen out of him over the years, I don't think he has the firepower to keep up. Yeah, he's no better passer than Russell Wilson, and he can't run to save himself when he can't pass. Yeah. And, well, it, yeah. They have a chance to go down and, and win the game the other day, and they start running drop plays. So <laughs> it either shows you what their offensive mindset is or how much they think of him, that they don't even trust him to, you know, with time left and some timeouts, I think, to even get a shot at getting in a field goal range against Denver. I think Andy Reid probably just fell asleep watching him play. He's like, oh, yeah, this probably. guy, just I just hate him. I just don't even want to watch him throw. He's so boring. I, I do officially pick the Packers. All right. So I'm glad the Packers will get their Monday night game out of the way earlier in the season. I, even yesterday was nice, but well, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. I don't know if we talked about this before on the podcast, but I really wish the showcase game was Monday night again. I know sometimes that meant you'd get saddled with a really bad game, but one of my favorite Monday night games I ever watched was during the short-lived Billy Volek era of the Titans when McNair was hurt, and him and a really bad Chiefs team. Um, had a shootout that was awesome, like in a late December. Both teams were way out of the playoff race. So I like to watch that. I don't like when the showcase game is on Sunday Night Football because by then I'm kind of exhausted yeah. from football. It seems like they stretch everything out so much with halftime and the intros that the game is never done before 11 o'clock. And by today, I now it's like you're left with Colts-Jets, which I'll probably watch. But now I'm like energized again. I'm like, all right, let's have some more football. Whereas the Sunday Night games, I'm just a little 
I'm a little tired of it, tired of it by Sunday night, and that's where they stick the best games. Yeah, I agree, and and I'm sure they do it strategically to give people at least a breather between the games, but there's like that hour lull in between, and that's kind of where you lose me a little bit there. It's like I'm in the zone, and then I start doing other stuff because I haven't all days. I've been watching football constantly, <laughs> yeah. and then you, you kind of have a hard time getting back down to it. So I, I agree. I love the the NBC Sports football song, but I, I can't stand Chris <laughs> Collinsworth either, so watching a big game with him for me is a little bit tough. I think they would be, you're totally right, by the way, about that hour lull where there isn't much on except highlight shows and football night in America is terrible. And the Fox OT plows through everything so fast that you really don't get a feel for the games. They desperately need the old NFL primetime back. And I know they still do the Blitz highlights with Tom and Chris Berman and I caught a couple of those this morning and like the Raiders Ravens game, which I didn't see hardly covered at all. It was like, oh, three plays. Derek Carr throws a touchdown at the end. Seeing the Berman-Jackson presentation of that in the old NFL primetime style made me super excited for that game. That is so much better than any of those other highlight shows. I I just, I mean, Football Night in America is more a a vehicle to promote the upcoming game rather than recap the games before. Like, and NFL primetime was never that way. But yeah, I agree. The 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 six o'clock hour is so boring. Once the other games are done, it's just the worst. Yeah, I mean, we used to look to, to forward to that being, you know, part of the big parts of the Sundays. You watch NFL primetime after the the second set of games. So if anybody who didn't used to watch that, I mean, it was they had the awesome music and just uh, Chris Berman and Tom Jackson just playing out all the highlights. It was it was great, and that was the perfect segue mm-hmm. to watch the late game. You got all excited. You saw exactly what happened to all the games. So I yeah, I have a hard time watching any of the ones they have right now. Well, they're the only ones who ever did the in depth highlights. Like football yeah. night in America could be a huge game, and they show like six plays. Whereas NFL primetime, each highlight package was like three to five minutes. Yeah, you got the whole story of the game because they actually framed it that way and they'd always show you weird stuff that would happen. So, yeah, somebody's got to get on that. NFL game day is okay, but they have like five guys on the panel and they're always just shouting. Mooch and Irvin and all them guys are always (laughs) just shouting over each other. Yeah. Okay, so let's wrap this one up. Uh, The Packers get a little bit of an extra break after a real physical game last night, but they won't have to leave home, which is very nice. So if you want to get involved with the page, we had a very successful post that we had on there today. Um, If you want to comment on anything that we do or pitch a topic that you'd like us to talk about, go to Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can also send it via Twitter, which a lot of you have been active on there, which I greatly appreciate. At Green Gold Forever, that's the number four. Um, if you want to see any of the archives as well as any articles that we've written in the past, that is greengoldforever.podbean.com. That's where you're going to see all the newest episodes as well. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes while I'm in show mode. Uh, go to the iTunes store and search Green and Gold Forever. You'll find us in there. Otherwise, you can search my name, Eric Drews, and I think it pops up with that as well. And lastly, We'll be once again having the Green and Gold Forever preview on KZ Radio. This time it will be on Monday uh, on the drive home from work. Um, Monday on 92.9 in Appleton and the Fox Cities, 104.3 in Green Bay, anywhere in the world at mykzradio.com. And so we'll be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs game and also hearing some rocking hits from the 80s and 90s, which you'd be doing anyways. And then you get to hear me in the middle. That sounds like the best auditory experience available right now. So I guess I don't have anything else, Matt. What about you? Nothing? I think I lost Matt. So if Matt's gone, I'm... <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I got nothing. Okay. I was going to ask you, did you end up buying the Bud Light cans yet? 
I didn't. I don't want Bud Light, but I want those cans. I know. If somebody can find out a solution to that problem, it would really help out me and Matt. Cause we and they, I think they probably only sell them in Packer ones around here, huh? I, I would, it would be awesome if they had like a 32-pack so you could get one of each. Well, that's what I was trying to do is you have to buy the big one. It was like the 24-pack, and I was trying to peer into the holes to see if I could like see if it's a team assortment or if it's just the Packers. Because if it was a team assortment and then it's like random what you get, that would be awesome. But Yeah, I'd do that. I'm not sucking down. Tw- I choked down 24 Bud Lights for that. Yeah, but I'm not doing that for, you know, 24 Packer cans. Bud Light tastes like you opened a good beer like last week and then left it in the fridge. <laughs> That's a good description. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you fig- if you get any cool Bud Light cans, drink the Bud Light and then send it to Green and Gold Forever. You can tweet it at us. There you go. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Take care.